0: communityoxford.com, or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford Podcast. We drive by our schools, and we drive by our local restaurants, and we drive by our local establishments, and there's nobody there. And when we see that, we have to think to ourselves, Man, is really God for us? And I believe as followers of Christ today, and we'll sing a song in just a few moments, even when we don't see him, he's working. Even when we don't feel it or feel him, he's moving. And So this morning I pray that we would realize that God is for us, he is not against us, God is moving, God is working, and he desires to work in our lives this morning. We're going to be in Acts chapter 6 this morning as we continue our journey through the book of Acts, the gospel on the move, and again, I'm always encouraged and always blown away how God continues to, to reveal himself to us in his word, and it's not by happen chance or by happenstance, excuse me, that we would be in Acts chapter 6 today. This week and in the past few weeks, I've been asked several times, I've had many people say to me, the church is in very unusual and difficult times. I've also been asked, what are you guys doing to adapt? With that, I'm pretty convinced that there's not a church that you know or the church maybe that you grew up in or maybe you don't attend community on a regular basis, but you're just tuning in to us this morning via live stream. I can guarantee you every church you know will have no choice but to adapt or in these moments the church won't grow. But I'm pretty convinced that there are what I like to call little country churches that have found out that Facebook is not just where they keep up with old classmates or family members that live somewhere else. Facebook is an opportunity for us to proclaim the gospel to the entire world. Maybe we thought YouTube was just a place that we went to when we're trying to work on our lawnmower, or we're trying to work on our car, and we get the how-to videos of how we fix something, and it's a whole lot easier seen on doing it on YouTube than it's actually doing it yourself. But we, a community, have been humbled. We've been blown away. We've been so encouraged by the number of people who have gathered with us, who have viewed our videos. Not a single video that we we have put out in these days have had less than 1,000 views. Why? Because I believe with all my heart if there was ever a time that the church was hungry for the gospel, it's now. I don't know if you know this or not, but as followers of Christ, we have the greatest story to tell. Death is not where it ends. Death is where it begins. And I'm so thankful this morning. I'm so encouraged this morning that as we find ourselves in Acts chapter six, where the church is growing and increasing by number, wouldn't you know that would be the place where wouldn't you know that that would be the place where the church would grow the most and so this morning as i think back over these several weeks of people saying man the church is in unusual different times i've also been asked what are you doing to adapt i'm always careful how i respond to these kinds of statements and questions because i don't want it to sound like i have all the answers Because I don't, but the one thing I know is this, that we must preach Jesus. It doesn't matter if we can gather together in auditoriums like this or sanctuaries or coliseums or in houses like we're doing this morning or in our dens or our kitchens or maybe you're laying in your bed and you're watching this this morning. Church, we need to be reminded that the best way for us to adapt is to continue to preach Jesus. Remember last week as we ended last week's text, Acts 5.42, listen to what God's Word says. I apologize. I didn't tell the tech people that I was going to use this verse. But Acts 5.42 says this, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. And church, can, I hear, can, can, can you hear me? As followers of Jesus, it does not matter if plagues or pandemics or wars or disease or whatever happens in our lives, we cannot allow the problems of this world, the problems that sin has led to in this world. We must preach Jesus because I don't know if you know this or not, what other alternative do you have? I mean, honestly, every other religion, if you go and look at their, their leaders, they're dead. They're buried in their tombs. You go to the tomb of Jesus, he is not there. Why? Because he is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. And how beautiful is it? that the reason he taught his disciples to pray and taught us to pray is because he wanted us to have a relationship. He wanted us to have conversation with him. And sometimes, church, and I'm not kind of reaching here, I'm believing this with all my heart, that if we will not talk to him in good times, then in difficult times we will have no choice but to cry out to him. I love doing different devotions because I'm so scattered. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. But I love doing devotions because devotions calls me to focus. Devotions calls me to kind of lean in a little closer to hear what the Word is saying. And I've been recently looking at several devotions on prayer. And I love the fact that prayer is the avenue in which we communicate to God, but church, don't get it twisted Prayer is also the avenue in which God communicates to us. I love the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've seen it on Facebook or other social medias where they have tried to allow people to pray the Lord's Prayer for our world. And in case you have forgotten the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father which art in heaven. Church, when we pray, there is a God sitting on his throne. He hears our prayer. He's in heaven. It's a real place. It's not an imaginary place. He is sitting on his throne. It says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I don't know if you know this or not, but the word hallowed means holy. Our God is set apart from all other gods. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Church, if God has ever taught us a way to pray, we ought to pray that his kingdom would come in these moments, that his will would be done in these moments. I don't know if you've heard about this, but in places like Italy right now, people are dying by the masses but people are coming to know Christ by the masses as well why because when God's kingdoms co- kingdom comes, his will will be done and I know some of you might be people that are kind of seekers maybe you're kind of those people that speculate and you're tuning in this morning and you're going you're telling me that this is God's will I'm not saying it's God's will, but God allowed it to go through and happen. Because in difficult times, what happens? When God's will is done, God's kingdom comes. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says this, give us today our daily bread. You know why I love that verse so much? Because there's some of you this morning that have no idea where your bread's going to come from today. And church, can I tell you something? God's word says you can ask to give us bread, for him to give us bread. And the church, the word says that he will. Church, maybe we're the one that needs to provide the bread for those around us. So when people ask me how we're adapting, we're preaching Jesus. Jesus. When people ask me, what are we going to do? We're going to share Jesus. We're going to model Jesus. We're going to love Jesus. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Church, I'm not going to lie to you. I am concerned at times because of my activeness in the community and being in and out that I'm going to take possibly the coronavirus into my home. And I'm with you. That makes me anxious. That makes me nervous. But, church, can I tell you something? If God is the great physician, and if that's God's part, if that's part of God's story for my life, then let it be. I know many that are facing this disease right now have no hope. But there are many who are facing this disease that have the hope of Christ. And church, hear me. When you have the hope of Christ, you have a hope. So this morning, as we dive into Acts chapter 6, Luke is going to describe the blessings and the challenges facing a rapidly growing body of Christ in Jerusalem. Tony Moreno says this this way, we see practical truth illustrated. Gospel growth always brings blessings, problems, and opportunities. Tony Moreno says it this way, gospel growth always brings blessings, problems, and opportunities. I'm convinced that just like this morning as it was last week, as it will probably be next week, that the creators of Facebook and Instagram, and Twitter, and any other social media outlet that you use, did not think that they would create their media outlets so that the gospel would go forth. But hear me. I pray this morning that we would see this not as a problem. Post on Facebook this week of uh, maybe at one of the late night shows when he came to be on that particular show and This comedian is going crazy. He's picking up people and running around, and the church member posted me in that post and said, this will be Fish Robinson on the first day back at church when everybody can gather. Man, I miss you guys. I hope you miss me. But instead of seeing where we are as a problem, may we see it as an opportunity and a blessing. Look at Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to go ahead and give a disclaimer. There are some pronunciations this morning that I will struggle with, so forgive me. Acts 6, 1 says, "...and now now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution." And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from you among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Verse 5 says, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip uh, and and Porchus and uh, Nican, and Timon and and Parmias, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they sat before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, verse 8, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen as it was called, and, uh, and, and the Syrians and the Alexandrians and those of Sisala and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemy words against Moses and God, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council, and they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law, and for we have heard him say, this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And then look at verse 15. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Will you pray with me? Father God, I ask you this morning that where we find ourselves at as the current church, is the current body of Christ. God, I'm not talking about the church here at Community. I'm not talking about the church here in Oxford. I'm not talking about the church here in America. I'm talking about the church in the world the church that you are coming back to get as your bride. Jesus, when you come back and to make things all new, that church is the church that I'm talking about. God, that we would not see these current situations or these current circumstances. And God, as, 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 as a problem, but God, we would see them as blessings and opportunities. And God, this morning, I pray for myself. I pray for those who are watching online. God, I pray this morning that you would empower us, that you would give us wisdom. God, that your face would shine upon us and that God, when people see us, they would see you. Father God, I pray this morning that every single one of us would preach Jesus. God, that we wouldn't worry about if we're doing it right or not. God, that we would just love people in Jesus' name, that we would serve people in Jesus' name, and God, that we would share the hope of Jesus to those around us. Father, you are the one that we seek. God, you are the one that we desire. And God, as we just sang together, if God is for us, then who can be against us? So God, we choose you today. God, thank you for your word. Pray you hide me behind your cross this morning. Fill me up with your presence and speak through me today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said... In Acts chapter 6, the first thing we see this morning is we should always celebrate the gospel and we should always celebrate gospel-centered church growth. Look at Acts chapter 6 verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number... We're not talking about a time where the church was failing. We're talking about a time when the church was actually becoming the church and the church was growing. The church was multiplying. The church was doing some amazing things. And church, can I just be real honest with you? Before COVID-19 happened, community church and churches in our area were growing. People were coming to know Christ. We have plans to baptize on Easter. And if we don't get to do it together openly and publicly, we hope to do it at least via a live stream, because guess what? Baptism is a symbolism of a representation that Christ is taking people from death to life. But here in Acts 6, the very first church, Acts, the the early church, the New Testament church, is growing, it says. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. Jump down to verse 7 with me. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests, of the priests, became obedient to the faith. I don't know if you know this or not, church, but you can call yourself a preacher, you can call yourself a priest, you can call yourself a follower, but if you are not devoting yourself to the words of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus, then you're probably not who you say you are. So we should celebrate the gospel, and we should always celebrate the gospel-centered church growth. I don't know if you know this or not, but I've said it several times this morning. I'll say it several times in the future. The church is growing right now. Why? Because when we face devastation, when we face struggles, when we face challenges, that's when the church grows. That's when the church multiplies. Why? Because you can't help but tell people about your hope. You can't help but tell people about your salvation. You can't help but tell people about the change that's in you. And so that's happening here in Acts chapter 6. Have you ever noticed that people react to church growth differently? Here in the early church was no different. Sometimes they celebrate it, and others get frustrated and don't like it. You know that there are churches that are meeting this morning? I'm talking about physically meeting. They don't care what the government says. They don't care about the disease. Man, church is so much about a building for them and about other people that they will go to whatever limits and whatever consequences, and they will gather. And church, can I tell you something? I'm not saying that I don't want that. I'm not saying that you don't want that. But sometimes there is a wisdom in not gathering, at least physically. I don't know if you know this now, we're gathering. We're gathering right now. You're in your home. I'm here at Lafayette Middle School. We are gathering. We are are proclaiming the gospel this morning. We are proclaiming Jesus this morning. We are proclaiming the hope for the world this morning. And guess what? We don't have to be physically together. We can be connected in the heart. But there are people, because the church is going through some unusual times, they're like, no, 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 I'm going to do what I want to do. And church, can I tell you something? The problem with the church today for most of us and for the reason that the world doesn't want anything to do with us is because we're selfish. But if we preach Jesus, he was what? Selfless. So the church is growing here in Acts chapter six. We should always celebrate the gospel and we should always celebrate gospel Center church growth, Platt says, but we should expect problems when the church grows. Thus, the need for more workers, we see here in Acts, the selection of the first deacons. I know it doesn't say that, but trust me, that's what's happening here. Look at verse 1 again. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing numbers, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. This is not actually a part of my message, so maybe I won't chase this squirrel so much. And for you that are watching that gather with us normally, you're like, yes, he's finally back. He's chasing a squirrel. Here's what I want you to hear. Verse 3 says, or excuse me, verse 2 says, "We we should give, we should... We should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Here's what I want you to hear me say this morning. Some of you have pastors, some of you know people that don't serve, and all they do is preach, and all they do is pray. And I'm saying that is beautiful and that is amazing. But, church, we got to have a healthy balance. We got to serve and we got to preach. But if we miss anything, we must preach first and serve second. I don't know if you know this or not, but we can serve by preaching. The greatest meal I can give you is the truth, the meat of the gospel, the promise of the gospel. But I think sometimes pastors and ministers take this text and they go, all I'm supposed to do is preach. Man, if that is what the Holy Spirit has convicted you to do, then preach. The church, can I tell you something this morning? I believe God's called me to serve and Preach. But God's teaching me something else. Look at what it says. Verse 2, the 12, summoned of the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And then it says this, therefore, brothers, verse 3, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and wisdom, whom, we'll, whom we will appoint to this duty, but, we'll devote, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Church, here's what I'm telling you this morning. We got to get back to praying. I'm convinced this morning that pastors love to stand up in front of crowds, but can I tell you something? God has taken the crowds away. He says, tell me how you do, big boy, with nobody in front of you. Because it's not about your popularity. It's about my popularity. And I'm not talking about fish. I'm talking about God. Verse 4 says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer. Church, I pray this morning that you would understand that all of us are ministers who have been who have received the gospel, and all of us should be praying. And we all should be doing the ministry of the word. We should expect problems when the church grows. Thus, the need for workers we see in Acts, the selection of the first deacons, a dispute about the distribution of assistance to widows arose. Go back to verse 1 with me. A complaint. When did the complaint come, church? Look at verse 1. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint Can I share something with you, church? Here at Community, we are struggling with the fact of how we connect with those who attend with us regularly, those who are members, because we are in challenging and difficult times, and there are problems, some of you complaining, going, man, the pastors or the staff or the elders haven't reached out to me. Can I ask you a question, church? Have you reached out to them? Because it's easy to complain, and and I don't know if you know this or not. I've already said it this morning. Man, I want to be where you are. But I understand social distancing. And you know me, if I'm in the same place you are, probably not going to be a whole lot of social distancing going on because I got to be where you are. I got to be up in your business. I got to be up in your space. Why? Because I want to be where the people are. But a complaint arose in Acts chapter six, the same way there will be complaints in these days, and there will be struggles in these days, as there have been and as there will be, and it says a di- dispute about the distribution of assistance of the widows. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hella. Hella. how do you say that? Hellenists, excuse me. My predictive text put Hellenistic, that's not who they are, the Hellenists. To this point in the book of Acts, Satan's attack on the church came in many different fronts, says David Guse with Enduring Word Commentary. See, when the complaint came, the disciples were increasing in number. The complaint was against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. The Hebrews were those Jews more inclined to embrace the Jewish culture and were mostly from Judea, and the Hellenists were those Jews who were inclined to embrace the Greek culturally and mostly were from all over Rome. To simplify... Hebrews tended to regard the Hellenists as unspiritual compromises with Greek culture. And the Hellenists regarded the Hebrews as holier than thou traditionalists. That sound familiar? The Hellenists, hear me, church, were considered by the Hebrews as unspiritual compromises with the Greek culture, meaning they were, they were like they, they, were, those, they, were, they were those heathens. But don't get it twisted, church. The Hellenists. Love Jesus just as much as the Hebrews love Jesus. They just came from different backgrounds. You know what one of the biggest complaints in the church today is? Why didn't people go into church with us? Why can't they go to their own church? I don't know if you know this or not, but the church is open for everyone. There are people right now that are listening to different types of churches. And I'm talking about churches that preach Jesus. Maybe they're a little bit more charismatic. Maybe they're a little bit more traditional. But they're getting to experience different types of church experiences right now. Why? Because they got nothing else to do. Y'all will complain about having to be in here for an hour and 10 minutes on a Sunday morning but it's amazing, y'all are so bored, y'all will watch five or six church services today and some of you watch Presbyterian and some of you will watch Methodist and some of you watch Pentecostals and some of you will watch Baptist and you'll be going, oh my goodness look at those churches, but here's what's awesome the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us in different ways in different settings, in different situations but can I tell you something church when you preach Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're a Hellenist or a Hebrew, it doesn't matter if you're a traditional or you're a radical, if you follow Jesus and you proclaim Christ, that's what matters. But we want to we cause complaints and disputes about stuff that doesn't matter, and instead of agreeing on what matters, and that's to love God and to love people. The complaint was against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. And the complaint was that our widows aren't being taken care of. You see, there was a daily distribution. Look at Acts 6, 2. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Because verse 1 says, the Hellenists, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews Because their widows were being neglected by daily distribution. And here's what's so sad. The Hellenists are thinking that the Hebrews don't want to serve their widows because they're Hellenists. But the bottom line is is that the ministry was so big and so overwhelming that it was not intentional. It was by mistake. But church, I don't know if you know this or not. God, God, in his beautiful picture of growing the church... The enemy in his his creativity as well as his way of getting around it sometimes uses good people to cause problems within the church. This week we have celebrated birth in our church. Can I tell you how hard it was for me not to go to the hospital and be with that family? Life is one of the most beautiful things in the world. To see a mother and father welcome their child into this world is one of the most beautiful things in the world. This week that mother stopped by the office and Misty, who's our children's pastor and I and other staff people got to pray over this mother and oh by the way we were at least 6 feet away from her but we got to pray for her and pray for her doctors and to pray for her fa- pray for the daddy and to pray for big brother and we got to pray for that family why because the church doesn't look at it as a problem it looks at it as an opportunity But when the disputes rise or or when the disputes come, we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And guess what? The church didn't split over this complaint. The church just got creative. Look at what happens. The early church took its responsibility to help support widows seriously because they often had no other support. Church, can I ask you a question this morning? Is there a time that there's ever been where the people around us, hear me, church, need, hear me, need to be impacted by the church? I love the fact right here in our community that Lafayette and Oxford schools are taking their school buses and they're going from this area to that area. And guess what they're doing, church? They're taking food to children and to families. And guess what? Guess what's happening? Yesterday, uh, on Friday, Lafayette fed almost 1,000 kids in our county. They're meeting the needs. Not the church, the school. Church, I got a question for you. If the school can do that, how much more can we do as the body of Christ? So the church adjusted and appointed deacons to serve. Look at what it says. It says they called... Therefore, brothers, pick out from you, verse 3, among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and wisdom, whom you will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And here's what I want to say this morning, church. I want to ask you to pray for me as I pray for you because you and I both are to serve God. But sometimes when we're not serving as pastors, we can say all our responsibility is to preach and to pray. And the problem is that's not just on Sunday morning. We should be praying daily. We should be preaching the word daily. But the problem is is that sometimes we see that our only responsibility is to get up in front of people and to proclaim the gospel. And hear me church, our only responsibility is not just to preach on Sunday, but is to preach all the time. And so when the dispute came, they adjusted they selected these servants/slash deacons and saying, "Please," and the saying, "Please," the whole gathering. Look at look at verse uh, five. This is crazy. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Pro- Procious, and N- N- Nicanor, and Timon, and, and Pormesia, and Nicholas, and the uh, proselyte of Antioch. And they sat before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And this is why they prayed and laid their hands on them, because check this out, church. What they did was, is they were praying over them so they could send them out to do the work of the ministry. And church, I don't know if you know this or not, but if the church fails to be the church, then God will cause the church to scatter. And when the church scatters. The church has no choice but to serve those around them. But may we do it in Jesus' name. Can you imagine us doing something at the church and it pleased everybody? Like for real, can you imagine us doing something at the church and everybody was pleased? You know Jesus was all up in that. You know the Holy Spirit was all over that. I mean, can you imagine the church saying, community, we don't have deacons yet because we're a young church. We're still trying to figure all this out. But can you imagine that we say we're going to select seven deacons and, and, and we pray and the church selects seven deacons and somebody goes, well, why didn't so-and-so get selected? I can't believe they chose that guy. Man, what were they thinking? Church, I don't know if you know this or not, but a title is not what gives you responsibility. The gospel gives you responsibility to the title. The title does not give you responsibility. The responsibility of the gospel gives you the title. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you are a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're an elder. I don't care if you call yourself a a pew sitter or a chair filler. But this is what you need to hear, that the gospel must go forth. And guess what? If you want to let the gospel to go, for, go forward, God will find somebody that will. These next few verses, we're going to look at the life of Stephen, so pick up with me in verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. I don't know if you know this or not, but when he was chosen to be a servant, he wasn't told to go do great signs and wonders. What was he told to do? To go serve. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you go serve the gospel... God's going to do great signs and wonder and you're going to have grace and power and you're going to see God do things not that you're doing but God's doing through you. Look at verse 9. And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Caesareans and the Alexandrians and those from uh, uh, Siskelah and Asia rose up to dispute with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. You see, church, when the spirit is on you and you're full of the spirit and you're in God's word and you're praying, As we sang just a few moments ago, nothing can stand against God. Amen? Nothing can stand against God. The opposing had no choice because of Steve's witnesses for God in verses 8 through 10. The opposing had no choice but to induce false accusations. Look at verses 11 through 14. Ben, you can go ahead and make your way back up. Verse 11. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemy words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him in before the council. And they set up a false witness and said, this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. We have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. Church, can I ask you a question this morning? Does that sound familiar? They did the same thing to Jesus. This is the same council that Jesus stood before, and because they couldn't shut him up, what did they do to Jesus? They killed him. We'll see that next week in Stephen's life in chapter 7 and chapter 8 of Acts. But hear me, church. God gave Stephen such wisdom that the smartest, most political, most powerful counsel That he could stand before could not, could not defeat him. Why? Because he was filled with the Spirit, he was filled with God's power. Stephen was a witness of God. The opposers had no choice but to induce false accusations. However, church, when God shows up, what does he do? He shows out. Look at verse 15 and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. I want to go back to verse 14 just for a second. And hear what it says, for we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth would destroy the place and would change the customs that Moses delivered to us. Here's what I want you to see. They're going back to the Moses because the the Jewish belief was built on the law of Moses. It was built on the temple. But Jesus says, look, it's not going to be about a building anymore. It's going to be about a relationship. And what you need to understand is you can gather in a place, but the church is really the church when it scatters to the places. And Moses, when he had come off that mountain from God, do you remember what we saw in Exodus just a few months ago? His face was shining, and the people could tell what? That he had been with God. And the same thing happens here in Acts chapter 6, verse 15. Look at what it says. And gazing in him, all who sat on the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Why? Because when you've been empowered by God and you preach the gospel, and instead of complaining, you see it as blessings and opportunities. All who sat on the council looking steadfastly at him. Stephen was on trial before the highest religious court he could face, examined by honored, educated, and powerful men. He had been falsely accused and seemed to have lost popular support. But his face, his face was that of an angel. Stephen's face did not have a mild, soft, angelical look that we see in so many paintings, nor was it a look of stern judgment and wrath. Instead, his face reflected the perfect peace and confidence of the one who knows and trusts in God. His faith had the same reflected glory that Moses had as he beheld God intimately. And here's what I want you to hear this morning, church. That the world is looking at us, and they're wanting to know how the church is going to respond in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of complaints, in the midst of problems and trials and tribulations and pandemics and diseases like COVID-19, and they want to know how we're going to respond. And church, I'm telling you, I'm with you. I get that we're anxious because we watch CNN and Fox and CNBC and ABC and CBS, and we read the newspapers and we look at social media and we see the graphs and we're trying to, 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 to level that that, that curve in church, can I tell you something, but the world is watching us and they're going, how are you going to respond? How are you going to react? And I said it this week, I'll say it today, I'll say it tomorrow, if God chooses to take me home because of COVID-19, then I'm okay with that. But what I'm not okay with is this. Is that when I face a challenge, or when we face a challenge as a church that we cower down and we go, that we, ha- we act as if we have no power, that we have no hope, we have no future. Don't listen to that lie. You see, Stephen here in Acts chapter 6 had every choice to tuck tail and run and go, there's no way I can stand before such educated, powerful people Church, in case you missed it, our God is a way maker. He makes a way even when there doesn't seem like a way. I pray this morning for those churches that are dealing with the complaints and the selfishness and the sin of their people, and all they're doing is whining and complaining. And church community, I want to say to you this morning, community church, that I am grateful and honored to be the pastor of this church because all I'm hearing from you is, "What can we do? How can we help? Who can we pray for? Who can we serve?" That's the church and church. I'm not saying we got it figured out because guess what? There's probably folks in this community that kind of. The Hebrews looked at the Hellenists, or the Hellenists looked at the Hebrews. They're looking at us and going, man, you're crazy. You're right, we're crazy, but we're crazy for Jesus. And we're going to proclaim the gospel to everyone we come in contact with. But you say, but fish, I'm scared. I get it. You say, fish, I don't know what's going to happen. I get it. But we know who holds what's going to happen, don't we, church? We know that God is it work. We know that God is on the move. We know that God is wanting to do something the same way he did with Stephen. He wants to do it with you, and he wants to do it with me. And church, trust me, the wisdom you need will come from heaven. The power you need will come from the Holy Spirit. The knowledge you need will come from God's Word. The hope you need will come from prayer, and the future will come from Jesus. So this morning, I want us to pray. And I want us to pray that the church would increase, not decrease in these moments. And as the complaints rise and the struggles come our way, that we won't see them as problems. We will see them as opportunities and blessings, and we will embrace them, and we will embrace them with the hope of our salvation. Because this is not the end, church. We got a new home. We got a new future. It's called heaven. If you're watching today and you're gathering with us today, and you don't know about the hope of Jesus, can I tell you something? The hope of Jesus is that He died for you, that He offers forgiveness to you, and you can have salvation in Him and through Him. And trust me, when you get that salvation, then you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you will be His witnesses. What we're about to see, churches, that Stephen is being a witness in Judea, but what we're about to see in the coming weeks is that they're about to go to Samaria and to the other places and to the uttermost parts of the world. Why? Because the world and the enemy might try to contain the gospel, but Jesus will not allow the gospel to be contained. And if we will be filled with God's presence, we will see him as a miracle worker, a way maker, a promise keeper, because that's who our God is. Will you pray with me? Father God, I beg you this morning, for those who are watching with us, those who are gathering, who will watch later today, God, I pray this morning... that we would know the hope, the promise of our salvation. God, I pray this morning that instead of fear, we would run to faith. Instead of complaints, we would run to opportunities. Instead of wanting to run and hide because people are making accusations against us, that we would get even more bold about our faith and about our hope and about the power that we have in Jesus. But God, for that person this morning that needs to know that you're a way maker, God, will you make a way this morning? God, for that person this morning that needs to know that you're a promise keeper, God, would you show them that you are keeping your promises to them? God, for that person that feels like they're in the darkest place of their life, God, would you shine light into that darkness? God, I pray for healing this morning, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. God, I pray for a cure this morning, not just for COVID-19, but for cancer and all the other diseases that so many are facing. God, I pray for salvation this morning. That just like in Acts chapter 6, that your church today, not a community alone, but all across this city, all across this nation, and all across this world would increase in the midst of difficult times because people would turn from their false beliefs and they would turn to the hope and promise of Jesus today. So, Father God, we ask you in these moments to make a way. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said... My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.